שיעור מספר 187, The Role of Terra and the Foundational Stories of the Jewish People, הרב דוקטור ארי ברמן. Good morning everyone. Okay, it's really, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to return home. Uh, it's uh, מרגש. It's very exciting for me to return home and I, I mean this on, uh, on many levels. Uh, to return home to Mechlelet Herzog. Uh, Mechlelet Herzog is a very special institution. Uh, it is, has a special mission to educate the educators of uh, the State of Israel and the Jewish people and is led by incredibly special people. I want to tell you it's not Pashut. And it's not obvious that an Israeli institution would open their arms for an American Oleh to welcome him, to teach him, and to even be open to learn from him and have a dialogue from Zalopashut. I made Aliyah 12 years ago. I was here for 10 years. Zalopashut. Michal Herzog, led by Rav Yehuda Brandis, I found uh, to be one of the most inspiring uh, places because of the inspiring people that led it. And it was here that I formed uh, deep personal friendships that have continued and that will continue for a lifetime. And it is really a great honor uh, to return home and to speak of this Yemei Yun Batanach uh, together with them and to help initiate these programs, these joint programs uh, through YU and Herzog and to help uh, Herzog expand Uh, its strength and its network beyond Israel to Herzog Global. It's a very big uh, help to the Jewish people around the world, and we're very excited to be partners and contribute to it. It's also wonderful to be home, to be here in Yeshivat Haratzion. Uh, this uh, this uh, makom, this room where I sat as a Talmud for uh, so many years, uh, was the place where I first uh, began to be inspired uh, by my learning, And it's the place where I met Rebbe Mori, Ravar Lichtenstein Zetzal, whose presence uh, remains uh, deep in my life and to whom I t- continue to turn uh, for guidance and direction. And finally, it's wonderful to be home in Gush Etzion. I made Aliyah and I live in uh, Neve Daniel. And when you live in Gush Etzion, you know that it's a place of enormous joy, enormous simcha, of great growth and great excitement and building. And at times it's also a place where there is enormous pain. You know, Eno Dome waking up this morning to the news, waking up in Neve Daniel, where it's a personal experience, where people here, people in the Mechlala, are related and know the victim of this act of terrorism. Enodome, the pain that we feel being here. And we know that this is contextualized because what it means to be home In, the, in this world today of Reshit Smichat Gulatenu, with all its fits and starts and all its celebrations and all of its trials and tribulations, that we are all on a, that this is a journey, that there's a bigger picture, and that it's tragedies like these that only strengthen, only strengthen our resolve for Hityashfut to be here to increase our presence and to continue the growth forward in this unique period of Reshit Smichat Gulatenu. And that is, in fact, the context of what I want to talk to you about, which is the journey of the Jewish people. But we cannot understand the journey of the Jewish people today unless we put it back into history, to where it began, and to who began it. Who would you say began the journey of the Jewish people? Who would you say began the journey? Abraham. 
Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Abraham began the Jewish journey. And what I want to talk to you about this morning, which will give us context to understand the world today, is to actually go pre-Abraham. Because I think in the ambiguous, nebulous, almost cloaked character of Terach, one can see how Abraham's journey actually began. Learning lessons, not just for Breshit, but even for our day. So let us start with Terach. What do we know about Terach? What would you say we know about Terach? He's an idol worshiper. How do we know Terach is an idol worshiper? Where do we know, from, from where do we know that Terach is an idol worshiper? A lot of Midrashim about Terach as an idol worshiper. But in fact, it's even before the Midrashim, you see it in Sefer Yoshua. When Yoshua, if you look at source number one, speaks about uh, our heritage. The Omer Yoshua Kolaam. And Sefer Yeshua already we know that Terach is an idol worshiper. And that fits exactly with the character that we think about Terach. He's an idol worshiper and, and uh, with all the negative characterizations that go along with that, uh, 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 with that theme. But in fact, if one looks through in a careful reading of Breshit, you'll find that the story is a little more nuanced, or it appears a little more nuanced. If you look at source number two in Breshit, Ela told Shem. The Torah tells us, and these are the generations of Shem, and it goes on a list. And it's a long list, and it's a list with a pattern, right? It mentions a name. It mentions one name, and then it mentions how long he lived, and it mentions he gave birth. He had a child along with other children, but that child is important because that child continues the line. That's the heir that continues the line. We get the Pasuk Chavdalid. If we stopped right there, that would fit the pattern. Nachor had Terach, he lived this many years, fits the pattern. But all of a sudden it changes a little. So how's there a change in the pattern? It tells us about three children. It tells us about three children. Normally, it just tells you about that you have one and had one child and many others. Now it tells you about three. Okay, that's very interesting. And then it flips and starts the story over. The Ela toldot Terach. Terach holid et Avram et Nachor v'etaran. And now we start a story about Terach. These are the generations of Terach. Terach had Abraham, Nachor, and Haran. Haran had Lot. Haran died in front of Terach. Very unclear story. In Or Kazdim. Avi Milka, Avi Yiska. So Milka married Nachor, is in the family. But he Sarah Kara in lo Vlad. Sarah was barren. Vikach Terach Adavram Benova Tzlot Ben Haran Ben Benova Tzarei Kalato Eshad Adavram Benova Yitzui Tami Or Kazdim Lelechad Artsa Kenan Veavo Ad Haran Veishvusham. He took them. Terach took them all from Or Kazdim to go to Kenan. He came to Haran and he stopped there. And Now, what are questions you have about this story? What are some obvious questions that emerge from this story? Why? 
Why did they stop in Haran? Uh, so even before you get to why does he stop in Haran? Why is he going to Canaan? Why is he going to Canaan? We'll get back to that. But why is Terach, all of a sudden, Terach leaves Orkazdim to go to Canaan? Why go to Canaan? And for whatever reason why you're going to Canaan, once he stopped in Haran, why did he stay there and not continue the journey? Why did he stay in, why did he stop there? Okay, any other questions that come up? Why didn't Nachar go with him? By the way, where is Nachar in the story? It sounds like Nachar didn't go with him, but then we find that afterwards. Where is Nachar in the end? In Haran, because Betuel, the son, like his whole family is in Haran. Okay, that's an ambiguity, yes. Great. Everyone has a lineage but Sarai. Right? What is Sarai? Where is Sarai from? Excellent question. Excellent question. Okay. Any, any other any other ambiguities? Why is it Artsakha? Why is it Artsakha when when Hashem says to Avram Lechlecha? Why is it Artsakha? By the way, any other questions about Lechlecha? There's a lot of them there, yeah. Well, he said, go. Oh, he wasn't Israel yet, and yet he calls it Artsakha. Oh, you're saying, Lecha me Artsakha. I'm sorry. You're saying, where is he from? And where is he from? If he's got, Where did Avram get the command of Lechlecha? If he is in, it sounds like Avram is in Haran. So what does it even mean, Artsakha? What does it mean, Mamaladacha? What does Mamaladacha mean? From your birthplace, where was Avram born? Or Kazdim. So there's a lot of questions about Lech Lecha, about the command of Lecha, and we'll get to we'll get to that at the end. But let me just start with the issue of of Sarai for uh, uh, for a bit, um, because uh, there's something very there's something fascinating about Terach, which really raises the level of these questions. Now we all know that the Avos come from Terach. Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they come from Terach. But very interestingly, so do the Imahos. So Rivka, of course, is obvious, as the daughter of Betuel, the son of Nahor. Rachel and Leah are, of course, obvious, right, as the daughters of Lavan. And who is Sarah? So Rashi, quoting Chazam in, uh, in uh, Megillah, says she is Yiska. But it's not just the Midrash. Meaning if you look at what Abraham says about Sarah, if you look at source number six, when Abraham says to Abimelech explaining why he calls Sarah his sister, he says, Meoma Abraham, Kiamarti, Rak, and Yuratelokimba Bakomazet. She is in my father's family. So in a broader sense, she is my sister. So already from Abraham, we hear that she is Batavi, she is in the line of Terach. And what emerges is a very strange uh, fact. It's a very strange fact. Who is the chosen family? It's Terach's family. The chosen family is from Terach. Now, if you think about the layout of uh, Breshit, uh, it also becomes uh, somewhat obvious. Breshit, how's Breshit broken up uh, literarily? What words break up the whole Sefer? Toldot, Eila Toldot. So where are the, who are the Eila Toldot? Do you remember who are the Eila Toldot? Eila Toldot Shemayim Varetz. Eila Toldot Noach. Eila Toldot. 
shame, Ela told Terach, Ela told Yitzchak, Esav, Yishmael, Yaakov. Who's missing? Avraham. There's no Ela told Avraham. But there's Ela told Terach. There's Ela told Terach. And in the Ela told Terach, they don't just list one son, but they listed three. And the Imahot came from, it wasn't just Avraham, it was also the descendants of, of Nahor and Haran. The Ela Toldot that's broken up is, uh, uh, is from Terach. And if Terach, if we understand that Terach is uh, the chosen family, we can understand uh, many other factors about this, uh, about this story. Um, so, for example, if you look at source number three, so Abraham zekain ba bayamim v'shem berachat Abraham b'kol. Byomer Abraham el avdo zekain beito amoshel b'chol hashalos simna yatzchatachet yerechi v'aspiacha b'shem elkei shmayim elkei aretz ashaloti kachi shal lebni mibnot aknani ashanochi yushem bekerbo. So, what was Avram concerned about? What was he concerned about? He was concerned about a wife of Yitzchak, the Shiduchim. That's very, uh, certainly on uh, people's minds. Uh, so, at, on the surface, he's just concerned about Shiduchim. Shiduchim. Okay, why, where is he telling the Eved Abraham uh, to go? So, it says, go, what does Artsi Umaladati mean? So, it sounds like Orkazdim. Right, where was Avram born? Was Orkazdim. Now, why would we think that it's where is there a parallel phrase that we would Lecha Meartcha Mimaladitcha Umibeta Vicha? So where was Avram when he received that command? So was he in Haran? That's part of this uh, part of this question. Yeah. Yeah, as somebody who is from New York City, let me tell you, we do not consider upstate New York <laughs> as, part of, as part of our empire. <laughs> um, but I know that people upstate New York would think that. <laughs> so, but that's an interesting, that's an interesting way of, uh, of phrasing it. Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh I mean, it really cuts to what these words mean, right? What does artsy mean? My land. What does moladati mean? So normally we translate it as my birthplace. Okay, but if you look, for example, look at Esther in source number four. Mordechai tells Esther, Lo higida Esther et amav et moladata, ki Mordechai tzivala shalotagit. So Esther did not, what did she not tell? Her ama, what does ama mean? Her people. What does maladata mean? Her heritage, her family. Maladata is not birthplace. It's uh, it's family. Meaning, if you look afterwards, look at source number uh, six. No, I'm sorry, source, uh, they have it cut off over here. But five, thank you, on the next page. Now this is Eved Abraham repeating over what his command was. So this is very important. This is the first interpretation, the first Tirgum that we have. 
right? If you think about the Mesorah and their Tigumim and the Perushim, so this is Evan Abraham explaining what his command was, the Psukim from before. So what does he say? So how did Evid Avraham interpret Amma Maladata? How did he interpret that? As Beit Avi and Beit Mishpachti. Meaning he already explained how he thought. Now there's a possibility that maybe his he was influenced because this was after he found Rivka and that you know, it could be that this is now his recent interpretation of words that meant something else. Could be. Uh, or uh, it could be that this is how he understood Avram, that, and that if that is the case, so then you can understand a little more the command of Lechlecha. Meaning Lechlecha, Me'artzcha, Me'mladetcha, Me'betavicha, which is very similar here. Okay, is not your birthplace, which is Orkazdim, but leave, go further from your father's house, from your family. And Hashem was telling Avram to leave Haran. Now, if that's all the case, what is Avraham commanding Evid Avraham to do? To go back to Haran. It's not, don't take inisham ibnot knani, it's go to Haran. Now, why would Avraham care if Yitzchak married somebody from Haran? From his, his mishpachto. Terach is an idol worshiper. You know, Nachor, why does he care? So if this is placed in the context that there's a chosen family, you know, then actually he would care. He would care. So this explains a little more, you know, the the background, you know, of the of the story. And there are other proofs or, or hints to this as well. So, for example, immediately after Lot leaves Abraham, where Abraham saves him and they separate, immediately after. Hashem comes to him and says, what? Al-Tira. Don't be afraid. You know, I'm going to make you, don't be afraid, I'll make you the stars. Don't be afraid, and gives him a promise. Why would Abraham be afraid after Lot left? Why would Abraham be afraid? Because there's no continuity. So if that's the case, Abraham thought of Lot as an heir. Who was Lot? His nephew from Haran. Meaning when Rashi talks about the fights of the shepherds, that you know one grazed on others' lands and the other and Avram's shepherds try to stop him. And they said, what difference does it make? Abraham doesn't have a child. Lot is going to be his heir. This is going to be our land. That's what they under, That was the understanding. And that makes more sense if we see Terach's family as the chosen family. So it didn't have to be a son. It could be a grandson of Terach. And that was at least a a possibility for Avraham. I don't know if he thought it was the only thing, but it's a possibility for Avraham. When he was traveling in Canaan, that was broken once Lot chose Stom and Amorah. That's what broke it. Because Lot chose to move almost out of Israel, if you will. So now he was worried because he didn't have somebody from the chosen family. It also explains, if you look at the other uh, the other line, look at source number eight. That after the Akedah, 
And they go on to list the names. And why do you look at this list? You can read amongst yourself. Why is this list significant and how does it show another indication that Terach is the chosen family? Okay, is everybody, uh, so Rivka's from there, that's for sure. So, so look, it goes into much detail, that's a great point. goes into detail. Okay, that's a good point. What else? Interesting. How prolific this number is going to be. And then, so people are, I've, I've mentioned a number. What number do they mention so far? 12. 12. Ah, not just 12. 8 and 4. Who's the 8 from? And who's the 4 from? Does that remind you of any story? So, um, Milkah. Meaning this is the story. The children of Nahor were twelve, eight from the wife and four from the concubine. These are numbers that are important in our tradition. Right? This is Yaakov's story. Eight from he had uh, wives and two concubines, but this is Yaakov's story. These numbers are chosen numbers. They're numbers that bespeak the chosen family. So it's not just Yaakov, but it's also Nachor. So what we have, you know, building the case for something that begs a great explanation, which is uh, Terach and Sefer Yoshua is told is an idol worshiper. We're told clearly he's an idol worshiper. And yet, we have all these inferences that Ela told Oterach that he actually was the father of the chosen family. That it wasn't just Abraham. There is no Ela told Abraham. It was Abraham, Nachor, and Haran. And it was their descendants that birthed both the Avot and Imahot. That they consciously and purposely married into the family, that their births were, uh, uh, the numbers uh, were parallel, and they even thought each other as heirs. What did Terach do to possibly deserve to be the father of the chosen family? Yes. So maybe it's interesting. So the Midrash that uh, um, uh, that after they broke the idol, after Avram broke the idols, and then he gets thrown into Kivshana Eish, and that Terach, that is what brings Terach to, to take Avram away and to run, is indicative that he gave up doing idols. That's interesting, yes. So, uh, going along with that same idea, is that not necessarily, you can't assume that he was interested in idol worship. He was selling these things. Think of all the Scotland people that uh, sell, you know, well, Jesus on the that, that is New York. <laughs> it's not, it's capitalism. Exactly. He was just selling them. And when you think of the word, right. I just want to say at Yeshiva University, we teach our students to be in business with great Jewish values <laughs> and, um, and to promote them to the world. But you're saying that there are others that uh, uh, profit. It's a job. I didn't necessarily believe in it. That is interesting. That is interesting. That this could be then the source for capitalism. Is Tara? Is the Midrash? Yeah. We can't hear. 
He's ten generations from Noah, who said. He's ten generations from Noah. And Abraham is ten generations from Shem. So there's also a difference between the two. Yafeh. So meaning there's ten, that's a good, that's a good, ten from Noah and ten from Shem. And maybe there's a model there of Noah and Shem. Actually, I like that a lot. I like that. I have to think about that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So he picked up and left. Terach picked up and left. And then the question is, why did he pick up and leave? And why was he going? We'll get back to that. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I think it's not Abraham that's the idol worshiper. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. It's a good question about what... So that's a good question. She said that if you look at the Pasuk in Yoshua, it says, So I understood Abdu is referring to Avotechem. Meaning Terach and Terach's fathers. Um, but the question is, Avdu, can it also, because it's just Avi Avram Avi Nachar. Can it also refer to Avraham and Nachar? It's a good question. Um, I think this Pasuk isn't, we'll get back to this Pasuk in a second, but this is definitely important. But again, the question is, why Terach, if this is all right, and we'll put a big if in front of that, and Terach is the father of the chosen family, what did he do? You know, why is he ro'i l'kach? Yeah. Interesting. That's really interesting. I really like that. Let me say, I'll say it, I'll repeat it. I'll repeat it. I will repeat it. Don't worry, I will repeat it. It just reminds me of such a good joke, but I'm going to hold that back. I'm going to repeat it. Um, would Terach have been Ra'u'i Lakach if not for Avraham? Meaning, I really want to get back, that's such a great point. I mean, it was only after Avraham was Avraham that Terach was Terach. I want to, I want to develop that. Let me land on that, because that's such a great formulation. That is such a great formulation. The opening question is, oh, that's great. The opening, the opening question is, why is Terach Ra'ui Lakach? And I, this has to connect to the fact that Terach went from Orkastim to go to Eretz Canaan. And he stopped at Haran and he stayed there. And the question is, why did he go to Canaan in the first place? And I'd like to suggest, based on the Ramban, that Canaan was not an unknown. Meaning, when Abraham received the call of Lech Lecha Me'artecha, and go to the land that I will show you, Hashem never told him to go to Canaan. How did Avraham know to leave from Haran and to go to Canaan and travel around there until Hashem appeared to him and, to, and showed him this is this spot and then he built him his bath? How did Avraham know? So the Ramban suggests that Avraham knew that Canaan was Nachalat Hashem. And it could be that that was well known. That the Shem, when Avraham built him his bath to call out B'Shem Hashem, that Shem Hashem existed in, and this is Nachalat Hashem, may have not been a secret. Who else appears in the story of Breshit that, that is another enigmatic figure? Shame. Okay, who else? Malki Tzedek. Malki Tzedek appears. Meaning, it's not that Avram... That this, that I mean, the the monotheism part might have been, you know, new and important, but I'm saying the fact that it is Nachlat Hashem of this God 
Okay, may not have been unknown. And when Terach then is leaving from Orkas Dim to Eretz Canaan, Terach is on a journey. Terach is seeking. He's seeking Hashem. Now, in fact, Chazal tell us that at the end of Terach's life, he did some tshuva. Now, they get that, or, or the midrash of that, if you look at uh, source uh, 12, for example, the Pasuk says, Ela told o Terach, Terach holid at Avram. So, Chazal noticed that there's sometimes where the names are doubled. The names are mentioned in a row. Ve'ela told o Terach, Terach holid at Avram. Amar Rabbi Abar Bakahana. It says, so Rabbi Abba Barkana says that anytime the name is doubled, the person has a chelik in Olam Hazeh, that's the first one, Olam Haba, and the next one. So the Midrash responds, can that be? Terach is doubled. Terach is an idol worshiper. Terach is doubled. Terach has a chelik nolam hazeh and olam haba. Amar lehem afilo tavra. That's not such a question. Damar abudin mishum reb abba bar kahana. The atat tavo el avotecha b'shalom. Abraham, when he's told he's going to die, what language does Hashem use to tell him he's going to die? The atat tavo el avotecha b'shalom. You will go to your fathers in peace. Now what does that mean, you will go to your fathers in peace? So what does that mean? So the image, I mean, for those of us, I was going to say of a certain generation, but they just remade it, like in The Lion King. <laughs> you know, or in The Lord of the Rings, you have that too, actually, as a reference there. Which is that a person, death, and it's certainly in the Torah, this is the language that's used, death is, is seen as going to the uh, place of your fathers. That you are, you, you are joining the place of your fathers. And in a very literal, you know, where the kever is and where the cave is, you know, very literally, physically, they're joining their fathers. You know, and, and it could be even larger than that. Chazal here, understand you're joining your father, you're joining your fathers. That must mean that there's some schutz, that's a good thing that you're joining, your, that Avram would want that. So, bisro olam haba. So, if joining your fathers is a reference to olam haba, so it's a symbol that terech gets olam haba. How did terech get olam haba? So, according to Chazal, the terech at the end of his life did tshuva. Terech at the end of his life did tshuva. Where did the concept of Olam Haba come? That's a whole other shear. <laughs> Question is, what is the concept of Olam Haba come? I'm not going there. But I'm just saying that the the that's a very big question. I'm, I'm, I'm not minimizing. I'm saying the opposite. It's such a big question. It's not for, for now. But my point is, is that Terach by Chazal is seen to have at some type of switch. So he was a... Uh, maybe to some extent I don't know what he did or didn't do at, towards the end of his life but he also was on a journey I'm suggesting to Canaan to Hashem he never got there he started the journey and he came to Haran and he stopped he never got there he never got there Abraham in this context, picked up the call and carried from Haran to Israel. And carried it to Israel. Okay, that's one reading of the story. Again, the Zohar Machlok had shown him how to read the story. But let's say that's, that's what, what happened. Now, I love the idea that Terach wasn't Terach until Avraham was Avraham. Because, and this is the murkiness of Terach. On the one hand, if I asked you the question, who were the Avot? It's clear. Who were the Avot? Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov. It's clear in Breshit. 
Hashem says to Yitzchak, you know, Elokei Avraham, the Birkat Avraham. Nobody says Elokei Tan Eterach. Right? And Tiyakov, Avraham and Yitzchak. Avraham is the first of the Avot. There's Ein Safek. There's no, there's no question about it. Yet, very interestingly, if we look at source number 13, I am Hashem, Hashem says to Abraham, who brought you from Orkazdim to give to you this land to inherit. What does that possibly mean? Hashem uh, took him out of Orkazdim? Where did Hashem take Abraham out? Khan. So from here, people like Ibn Ezra says, no, really, the story, and really, Abraham got the command at Orkazdim, and, and you have to read it that Abraham was the initiator, and not Terach. But another way of reading it is that once Abraham continued the journey, it is seen that the journey actually began with Terach. It is now narrated as the story beginning with Terach. And Abraham is a continuation. So it's Asher Otsoticha Me'or Kazdin. Okay, let me explain this with a personal story. When I was uh, maybe nine, ten years old, I came to my grandmother's house on Groton Street. And as I say the story, I should acknowledge the presence of Imi Marasi, my mother who is with us, who taught me everything of who I am today. Only the good things. <laughs> um, so this is not her mother. This is my father's uh, mother. My father's not currently in this room, but he also taught me everything that good things I know. And I came to, uh, we lived on Dartmouth Street, and my grandmother was on Groton Street, D and G, not a, just a couple of blocks away. And I walked into the house, and my grandmother was uh, not, in, uh, not happy. Now, normally when I walked into the house, she was always happy to see me. Uh, it would be very rare for me to come in and not find her happy. It was, you'd be an offer of food that would come right next. But this time I found her in a, in a reflective state. She was in a reflective state. And I said to her, you know, Grandma, what's, uh, uh, what's wrong? And she said something that she probably didn't even mean to say to me. It was just, you know, reacting and talking what's on her mind. But she said, you know, when I left, I went the wrong way. I went the wrong way. I should have gone east. I went west. So my grandmother escaped uh, right before the Holocaust started. And um, she was meeting my grandfather. My grandfather came a couple years before and established himself in, uh, in Hartford. And my grandmother caught the last boat out of Europe, the boat with the Baba Cherebi. And apparently it must have been a very big boat because many people caught <laughs> the last boat out of Europe. So my grandma's last boat out of Europe, and she came to America. And as she got older, she ref was reflective, somberly, I should have, I should have gone to Israel. And I thought about that. So that stayed with me. That moment stayed with me my whole life. And it really, really uh, hit me when I was on the Nefesh B'Nefesh plane, uh, making Aliyah. Because I thought when I got off that plane that I was not coming alone. And that I was bringing my grandmother with me. And now the story of her life is different. I've changed the story of her life. Because now, going to America is not seen as a step away from Israel. It's actually a step towards Israel. 
and how the actions of your children and uh, narrative and is a big uh, in the world of psychology narrative therapy and how to you know you how we tell our stories defines our stories but our children then are a continuation and actually define our lives when we talk about Kaddish is a uh, Saying Kaddish is, uh, raises the soul. You can understand it in some mystical way, but you can understand it very in a very real way, meaning you're, if your children are continuing and furthering, then that actually rewrites your story. Your story, your story becomes a better story. Your merits are big as you've done. This is all part of that. The, the later generations have a chance to affect not just their own lives, but to rewrite the stories of the past. You know, and, and now when I see my, uh, uh, when we come back, now I'm on Shlichut, but when we come back and see my sons who are, you know, post-army, in the army, you know, and, you know, this is all like, these are all my... This is all my grandmother. It's all my grandmother. And it's all continuing her journey. So Terach started the journey, but Terach wouldn't have been Terach without Avram. I think that's I think that's true. Terach didn't make it, but he started it. And we could see it now from Or Kazdim. And that's the journey. The journey started in Orkazdim and it ended in Israel with Abraham. And that's Terach as the, as the father of the chosen family. Now, if we understand that, uh, we, there's a number of key lessons. You know, there's key lessons about uh, how people don't come from nothing. Abraham didn't emerge from a vacuum. Lessons of Lo Alacha Amlacha Ligmor, Lo Ata Ben Charin Lehiba Tell Me Mena. You know, our job is to push the story, to move it along, even if we're not uh, ending it. And that in this national journey, you know, all of these pre-stages are important for Gula as well. It's true that Terach wouldn't be Av- wouldn't be Terach without Avraham, but I think it can also be true that Avraham wouldn't be Avraham without Terach. And that is, you know, in the nine days when we're talking about Galut and Chorban. So if you think about what happened, what was Chorban, what was Chorban by it Rishon? So where did the Jews go? Where were they exiled to? Babel. So where so how did they get exiled to Babel? So the exact route that they came from Orkazdim, up the fertile crescent, through Haran, down to Israel. When Nebuchadnezzar came from the north, he took them back. The Khurban, the exile, the Galut, is a return of Terach slash Avram's journey. It, that's what it is. Meaning Avram brought us here, or Terach and Avram, and the Galut that we're mourning is bringing us, bringing us back. And we're now in the midst of the process, and we're in the midst of the journey to... Uh, uh, to return. And that is uh, the most exciting part of being alive in this era today, is that we're living in Reshit Smichat Kulatena. And with all of the challenges and all of the difficulties and all the trials and tribulations, it's very important never to lose sight that we're living in the most miraculous time in Jewish history. 
Now, this has to be obvious to anyone living in Israel. Now, you'll find, I assume many people in this room are olim, you'll find that Israelis often don't appreciate that. And it's one of the special things that olim can add into the fabric of society because we made a choice. Uh, you know, we made a choice to be here. I remember when I made Aliyah, like the most common refrain I heard from uh, Israelis, like, why would you leave Manhattan <laughs> to come here? Like, why would you do that? You know, and and what we come and, and share them a secret, you know, we're actually, we're living in Rishit Smichat It's the most exciting time to be Jewish. And there's something special going on. Now, Israel today is no longer you know, a, uh, a fledgling nation. We're now a superpower, uh, you know, economically, technologically, militarily. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's mamash unbelievable. You know, somebody just told me that Shmuel Yo has a safer about Nevoah and all of the prophecies that are being fulfilled today. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But I want to tell you that you know already. I want to add something that you may not know. It's not just in Israel. Okay, the place of the Jew in the world is um, its one of the great surprises I've had coming back to America on, and becoming the president of IU. One of the great surprises is not how much Jewish support we have, and how the Jews recognize the importance of YU and the Mesorah and Jewish tradition, but how much the non-Jews uh, appreciate it. How much the non-Jews <laughs> appreciate it. I had, uh, when Notre Dame uh, uh, burnt down, I sent a private letter to the Archbishop of Notre Dame expressing my empathies for what must be a very difficult time. Why can I write a private letter to the Archbishop of Notre Dame? Because the Archbishop of Notre Dame came to Yeshiva University six months ago and brought a cohort of Paris priests to learn from us how we transmit the Mesorah. Every two years, the Vatican sends representatives to Yeshiva University to meet our Rosh Yeshiva and to learn from us what we're doing. Because they, they, it's like, it's amazing. And one of the, the, the great moments of the trip is when we brought them to the Beit Midrash. You have all these clerical uh, figures. We brought them, we have two floors, second floor Beit Midrash. We brought them to the second floor of the Beit Midrash. It always causes a little bit of, uh, uh, not the norm of uh, what uh, the Talmudim see. And... Um, so one of the priests came to me and said, you know, in broken English, she said, you know, I understand that what they're doing is very important. They're studying religious texts. They're studying together. It's very important. But what is the religious significance of this? <laughs> so I said, I tell you, I don't know, but it's very effective. <laughs> so if you go to France today, all throughout the parishes... <laughs> Now, at the end of the visit, I said to the Archbishop of Paris, I said, you know, I am a, a student of medieval Jewish history. That My doctorate is in the period of the 12th and 13th century, not just Ashkenaz, but certainly Ashkenaz. And I have read many of a passage of conversations between the Archbishop of Paris and the rabbi. And they are very different conversations. <laughs> Okay, we live in a fundamentally different time. The president of Fordham, Joe McShane, another priest, said to me, Yeshiva University is so important. What you're doing, the Jewish tradition, putting it into your students and into the world is so important that when you go on fundraising trips, take me. I will explain it. And I thought to myself, how great this would be. The rabbi and priest walks into a room <laughs> and raises money for Yeshiva University. 
I have been invited. I've been a great story at Salt Lake City at Brigham Young, and I've sat on panels of uh, presidents of faith-based universities, and they are interested in hearing Jewish values and hearing what we have. And by the way, it's not just the Christians. Even a greater surprise are the Muslims. I've gotten, I received the call my first year. Somebody said he just came back from uh, Riyadh. And he was talking to the inner circle of the prince. And Yeshiva University came up. I'm like, why is Yeshiva University coming up in Riyadh? He said, because they're trying to figure out how to bring their tradition into the world and moderate Islam. And they're thinking, who's a paradigm? What's a paradigm of somebody who's done this? I said, Yeshiva University. And he asked me, would you be interested in having some type of dialogue with the prince's inner circle and the imams or yeshiva? I said, listen, if we can help change the Muslim world, we're happy to do it. And then there's a the whole thing with Khashoggi, and I got a little afraid. I'm like, you know what? Well, you got to take care of your own problems. But, <laughs> but the point is, and it's not the only call I've, I've received from it. There's enormous interest. Students now are out in the world. They're wearing their kippot. It's a new generation. They're wearing their kippot. I just had a visit with the um, head of the ADL, Jonathan Greenblatt, and he told me that anti-Semitism is on the rise. Right? That's the news that we've uh, uh, that we hear. Anti-Semitism is on the rise, and it is. And Jews in the diaspora need to be vigilant. It is on the rise. But he also said that polls show that Jews are the most favorite of all of the groups in the country. They have the most uh, you know, favored opinion of, of all the Jews in the country. Now, why am I saying all this? Because I think it's all part of Reshit Tzmichat Gu'ulatenu. There's a, there's a change. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity in Israel and there's an opportunity in the Tfutzot. And of course we need to connect Israel and the Tfutzot. That's a key primary mission of Yeshiva University. That's what we do. But there is an opportunity that bespeaks of a changed historical circumstance. And what we need to do is to raise the next generations to appreciate the historical switch and the opportunities that exist today. That their job is to push history forward. That we and the Jewish people are on a great march forward. There is a great journey today. And we have the opportunity to be Makade Shem Shemayim Barabim, to spread Jewish values, to build our Jewish state, to develop what it means to be a Medina Yudit. We have an opportunity today, all across the world, and especially in Israel, like never, perhaps never before in history. And we need to set our children and grandchildren on a mission that they should live their lives to make a difference. And that what's going to happen, like Abraham defined Terach's life, what's going to happen is the extent that we can be successful and plant those seeds in the next generation. And they carry themselves with the consciousness that they're living in history and they have an opportunity to move it forward will define their lives, will define our lives, looking back, and will define the future of the Jewish people and the history of the world. That's where we are. We're even not by Tarach. We're past Tarach. We're closer. We're already in. You know, we need to spread that. 
we need our children and grandchildren to understand about the journey and the mission of the Jewish people and why we're here and the opportunities for today. And if we do that, Bezrat Hashem, we will move past Reshit Smichat Gulatenu to Tzmicha to eventually Gulatenu B'mher B'yameinu.